Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I am doing great. I have been YOLOing my way through the month of October, really enjoying myself. I have been I love it. justifying Halloween um, or justifying all of the sweet treats I've been indulging in because I'm like, you only get Halloween month once a year so that's my <laughs> that's I mean with that view. logic yeah that's every every holiday every month 365 yellow we can give you holidays every right? day yeah I like Monday. this it's a trend it's a trend it is have you figured out your Halloween costume or have your kids figured theirs out we are so behind the curve it's crazy this year my kids actually said today when are we going to get our costumes and uh, they kind of know what they want to be I I don't want to say what they are. They're a little silly. And they might still change them. So we're not really sure. Sure. Uh, I have an idea in mind. You know, I usually do like a costume that's more of like a, you know, I like to play with makeup and do like a really glam makeup look for Halloween. So I have an idea. I think I'm going to go a little crazy this year and use stencils and try and do like a mermaid with a twist. So not a scary twist. It'll be interesting okay. to see if I can pull this off. So, uh, yeah, so I'll have to let you know how that goes. What about you? Do you have oh, a costume fine. planned? I do. Mine involves a box. So I'm literally going in the complete opposite of glam. <laughs> <laughs> and a box is basically the centerpiece of my outfit. But I'm excited because it's like one of those fun – it's yeah. a very Melissa um, yeah. A Melissa one that like no one in my neighborhood will understand and like two people on the internet will get so but that's me I'll, nice. I'll, I'll go with it yeah it'll be fun so we'll have to have to post pictures if we follow through with this and actually right yeah then, right <laughs> I know well I've done I have done some adventurous makeup looks um, you have yeah for Halloween and I always really enjoy it and this year Halloween is on uh, weekend. So yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that means I can just wake up and do this look and have it all day and it won't be weird because it'll be a weekend day and I can just walk around that way. So now, yeah. So I'm going to just try out something a little more complicated this time. So if it works out, yeah, maybe we'll post pictures of our Halloween adventures. If it doesn't nice. work out, then you just won't we see. We never said yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so getting into the episode this week, um, back in the earlier 2000s, I actually used to watch a bit more TV than I do now. Hmm. I can't tell you anything that's going on with The Real Housewives or The 90 Day Fiancés, and honestly, even those two shows feel like I am still behind the times of knowing there's probably newer things out there that I don't even know about. I have to say, I feel very personally attacked that those are the two that you listen. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like these are very general ones. And Melissa's going to be like, wow, that you could have been like a little I bit mean, more I mean, we could go there. Love After Lockup, yeah, Love yeah. Luna Plathville. <laughs> We've got options, Mandy. But yes, the, those those work for this, uh, for this situation. Right. Uh, but if it was 2007 and you wanted to talk to me about reality TV, I would have been happy to talk about shows like Sister Wives and America's Next Top Model intervention, Pimp My Ride, which I think qualifies as a reality TV show. I would give it to you. Yeah. And I did watch a little bit of John and Kate Plus 8. So I really used to be quite the TV watcher. And as you can see, it was only the best quality back then as well. Uh, Another TV show from this era that was widely popular, not one that I watched a ton, but I did watch a little bit, um, was the show Wife Swap. The show ran for numerous seasons. And I'm sure, Melissa, I don't even have to ask if you know about Wife Swap. I already know that you know about Wife Swap. Yeah, they had Wife Swap. And what was the other one? Trading Spouses. Yeah. Two of them, and they were kind of the same. I was going to say, yeah, I think Trading Spouses came after Wife Swap. 
And you got money. That's the difference, I think. They got like $10,000 to give to the family, but they had to do with it what you wanted them to. So say you had like this really gifted kid that was great with piano, but they didn't have access to a piano. You could say, I want all that money to go for this kid's this. Or oh, yeah. sometimes they'd hate the other family and be like, I think the uh, the dad should get to spend $10,000 on pimping his ride or something right. like that. It could be whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you don't know about Wife Swap, I really am so sorry. You truly did miss out on quality reality TV. In each episode of the show, there are two families participating and the moms from each family swap places. So, of course, this wouldn't really be that interesting if they, of course, didn't match these families up by criteria that really amounted to these families needing to just be polar opposites of each other in every single way. So typically there would be one family that was very strict and rigid with their schedules and had high and sometimes unrealistic expectations of their kids. And then sometimes there would be a family matched with them that was a little more carefree and disorganized and just overall less structured. So the moms from each family would swap places and see what life was like living in a family that was so different from the way they ran their own families. Really, it is an interesting concept for a show. It I can is. see how it ran for several seasons because, yeah, it sounds – you already got me. You know, just with the show description, I'm like, huh, that sounds pretty interesting. Right. So while these moms were living in each other's houses, they would have the chance to implement some of their own rules within this other family. It was really a disaster in the best way. Really great for TV. At one point, they even did a few seasons of Celebrity Wife Swap, and yes. that honestly was really a treat. I didn't watch a lot of them, and I don't really know a whole lot of the couples that got wife swapped. Yeah. From what I understand, that was really quite something. It was. There was one with, uh, speaking of John and Kate Plus 8 from earlier, there was Kendra Wilkinson. Uh, oh, yeah. She, I love her. She, yeah. She swapped with uh, Kate. And so that oh, one was an oh, interesting wow. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the original Wife Swap was actually a British reality series that began in 2003 and ran until 2009. And then ABC in America decided to do their own version, which ran from 2004 until 2010 with a total of 124 episodes. So if you're still wanting more of an understanding about this show, or maybe you just feel nostalgic and want to binge watch a few seasons, you can head over to Hulu and find a catalog of episodes there, including an episode in season four that stars the main players in our story today. That's right. A family that appeared on Wife Swap was involved in a very tragic and upsetting murder case that shocked everyone. It was 2008 when the Stockdale family appeared on Wife Swap for episode 15 of the fourth season. The Stockdales included Catherine and Timothy and their four sons, Calvin, Charles, Jacob, and James. And when it came to which type of family they were on the show, they were the more strict, stringent, and orderly family with a very unconventional life. At least unconventional in the sense that the vast majority of people do not live their lives the way the Stockdale family did. They lived on a farm in Bethlehem Township, Ohio, which they purchased in 1999 and named the Stockdale Family Farm. Kathy and Tim felt very strongly about the type of environment that they wanted to raise a family in, and they moved to the country to get away from the city and the perceived negative influences found in quote-unquote city life, including violent language, sexual influences, alcohol, smoking, drugs, and rap music. According to Kathy, they were raising their sons on a quote, diet of wholesome activities and farm work, keeping their minds pure and their bodies healthy, and keeping out the influences of modern society, end quote. She said further, quote, in the city, families are constantly distracted from being together. It's too difficult to compete with all the modern entertainment and activities available. I see the farm setting as being a much more natural way for a family to be a family. It is easier to control and censor the inputs into the children's lives being out here in the countryside, end quote. Of course, farm life is really not the easy life. All of the Stockdale boys always had something to be doing, whether it's tending to the livestock the family raised for meat or working in the gardens where they cultivated the vast majority of their own food. The Stockdale family actually almost never bought food from the grocery store. They actually raised enough livestock that they were able to sell the meat that they didn't need for their own family in order to bring in some extra money. But tending the farm was just one part of the highly scheduled and structured day that these four brothers lived 52 weeks a year. 
Due to the core values the Stockdale parents held, Kathy knew that it was best for their family if she would homeschool the boys and tightly control their daily schedules to ensure that everybody was on track with where they needed to be. Kathy ran what some might call a very tight ship. She would wake up every morning and start the day by making breakfast at 7 o'clock sharp. At 7.30, she woke the kids up and gave them four minutes to get to the table. And she was not kidding about this. Kathy would set a timer for four minutes, and if the boys were not at the table on time, they would get an extra two minutes, and they would be charged 25 cents for every two minutes they were late to breakfast. They paid these fines, and they just put them into a jar, which, okay, that's an interesting tactic to get your kids focused to come to the table say hey if you are not down here we're going to start charging you you know and get down here once breakfast was finished in a timely manner i'm sure the boys all got right to work on their list of chores and tasks that they were supposed to accomplish that day things on their list included cleaning the bathroom hanging up laundry and making their beds pretty typical chores Kathy even created a detailed sheet for them to refer to if they forgot what was expected of them when it came to these chores and how to do them to standard, and she would post the list of standards in each of their bedrooms so they could just take a look at it and make sure they had everything done. While the chores were being done, Kathy would sit down and write a detailed schedule for each of them to do that day. An example would be reading, math, logic, memorization, drafting, Suzuki, fiddle, clean the bathroom and sink, clean kitchen sink, get the mail, sweep the porch, clean the steps clutter, water the garden. The school day officially kicked off at 10 o'clock, and after the first hour, Kathy would send the boys outside to start their outside chores for the day. She had a system set up where the boys could earn tokens for completing each chore or task, and these tokens could be redeemed later in the day for special privileges like listening to the radio, watching a movie, or having a piece of gum. Any radio or TV programming or music that they chose to listen to had to be pre-approved by Kathy, and she already kept a list of this different types of media that she had pre-vetted because she believed that, quote, it is important to limit the contact the boys have with the ills of the world, end quote. And just as we all do what we believe is the best thing for our children, so did Kathy and Tim. According to Kathy, structure was really paramount in a child's life, and she prided herself on running a home where her kids knew what they were supposed to be doing, and they had something planned from sunup to sundown. They were busy 24-7 doing chores, running the farm, doing schoolwork, and practicing for performances. Kathy said once, quote, everything they need is here on the farm with their family. Kathy cooked lunch daily and served the family their meal at 1 p.m., followed by each of the boys practicing their music, which was another huge part of their lives that we'll go into more detail about shortly. At 4 p.m., the kids have a debate lesson, which they are required to pay for. Explain that to me. You have to do a debate lesson and you have to pay for it. So like, I can't have a piece of gum today because I have to go to debate and I don't want to go to debate, but I have to pay for this thing I don't want to do. Right. And I guess they're earning allowances then in that case for doing these chores. They must not get an allowance for every chore because I imagine some things are just expected of them, right, to run the household. So obviously they're not getting paid for everything they do. But if they're, you know, expected to pay, you know, if they're late for breakfast and they're expected to pay for their own um, debate lessons and things, that's like they have to be getting money from somewhere. They're obviously not getting jobs outside the home. That would never be allowed. So, you know, they must be giving them some kind of an allowance somewhere. I didn't see anything in the research that talked about how exactly the kids got the money to pay for these things, but the parents must have been giving it to them. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just if you don't like debate, This might not be where you want your money going. Right. So (laughs) Kathy said, quote, teaching the boys to communicate through an argument is a vital part of their education. It's also a good way for them to meet and to learn to socialize with other young people, end quote. As far as having friends went, the only socialization they really got was through whatever Kathy deemed to be a useful or wholesome activity like this debate class. And that was really about it, according to Kathy herself. She said sometimes other homeschool families would come over to discuss speech and debate topics with each other, but that was the extent of any socializing. Dinner in the home was typically served around 6 p.m., but that depended on whether or not the family was participating in one of their other hobbies, playing in a family band. But on a typical night at home, dinner was at 6, and the family would gather around the table and sing a prayer song before enjoying the meal together. 
After dinner, each boy washed down their nutritious plate of food with a spoonful of cod liver oil, which Kathy gave them to keep their hearts and minds strong. Ugh. I know. Ew, cod liver oil. I don't, I've never, I've never. Fish burps. That's all you have. I've never. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, a fish burp. That's the worst. Ew. And then singing after that. Can you imagine all the voices coming out? I can't. (laughs) In the evenings, the boys practiced their music some more at their expense yet again. They had to pay for their own music lessons, although we get the impression that music really was not an option in the family. Everyone is playing something. Everyone's participating somehow. So I don't think that was another thing you could give up your gum for. Right. So before her bed each night, Kathy would end the day by reading from one of the classic books, and then the boys would go to bed. Kathy and Tim would then sit up together and talk about the day and what the plan was for the next day. And if you thought, man, this family works so hard and keeps it super together all week, surely they relax on the weekends, right? Well, no. Weekends are actually for extra work. That's when we're doing projects around the farm, completing more chores, eating meals together, and attending church. And the general rules of the house included no junk food, that's snacks, cookies, candies, Cokes, no processed or fast foods, no eating at restaurants, no TV, unless they had tokens to use on pre-vetted content, no video games, and possibly the saddest thing we've ever heard in our entire life, which is no leisure time. I just want to know how you make that a rule. Like, how do you actually just say it's against the rules to have leisure time? And I feel like there is, um, you know, I've not read enough child psychology books or anything, but there is something to be said for having some idle time to be able to be creative and do different things like that, not to have everything micromanaged like that. That would be, as an adult, that would be impossible for me if I couldn't say at the end of the night, I just want to watch wife swap yeah. for an or hour you know sit i mean part of, that's me too part of my nightly routine after my kids go to bed is i just want to sit on my couch and just not have noise and like distractions and people like, asking questions yes and, and so it's like oh my gosh but I, I just can't imagine living growing up in a house where it's like if you were just doing that just sitting and literally just sitting that somebody would be like okay well we can find something for you to do like that That's a lot. It's a lot of pressure and it's just a lot. Yeah, for sure. For kids, I mean, do what you want as an adult, but there is something to be said for having a little bit of that time for sure. And there is so much more to get into after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Remember those old commercials with the easy button? So when something feels too hard, you just hit the easy button and all of a sudden everything's, well, easy. Wouldn't it be great if we had an easy button for helping us get healthy? Introducing Noom, the easy button for helping you become the healthiest you. If you have just 10 minutes a day, you can join in with 80% of Noomers who finish the program and 60% who are still keeping the weight off a year later. Noom takes a cognitive behavioral approach so you can focus on the why instead of the what to help you change your relationship with food. And since everyone's journey is different, Noom can customize a program for you that's based on your personal goals. This isn't a one-size-fits-all approach with strict rules. Noom wants to empower you with the knowledge you need to help build smarter and more sustainable habits and behaviors so you can reach your goals long-term. I had to go out of town unexpectedly a few weeks ago, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I was stress-eating the whole time. On the last day, I really started to feel kind of down on myself, and then I remembered I can just refocus tomorrow, and I did just that. With Noom, there are no good foods or bad foods, so there's really nothing to feel guilty about, making it easy to go back to treating my body the best I can. My goals have just been to feel better and to learn how to eat. And while doing this, I'm the healthiest I've really been since I've had kids. With the Noom app, I love that I'm getting little nuggets of knowledge to help me make those decisions. And I also have the support of the Noom community. Plus, logging my food is so easy. It takes just a few seconds. And if it's easy, you're more likely to be consistent and to get better results. Start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com moms. Again, sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash moms. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash moms. There's never been a better time to take care of yourself than now. Whether something in your life is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, the licensed professional therapists with BetterHelp want to help you become the best you this year. BetterHelp is professional counseling that you can do right from the comfort of your home through weekly video or phone sessions. 
I've used BetterHelp for the past couple of years, and I can't tell you what a relief it is just to get all my thoughts out to a professional without having to leave the house. I deal with anxiety and depression and have most of my adult life, so having someone I can just talk through with these different scenarios or those immediate big problems that pop up in life has really been invaluable. Of course, anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential, and best of all, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. Whether you're struggling with family issues, sleep, stress, or more, BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com moms. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash moms. Now back to the episode. Okay, so before the break, we had just introduced the Stockdale family, Kathy and Tim and their four sons, and we were talking about them in the context that they were on the show Wife Swap. Um, So we had kind of introduced this family, who they were, what they were about, very strict and structured, rigid schedule family going on. So getting back to the family band that we mentioned a couple of times that I was dying to talk about, as we've said, this family did everything together, literally everything. They were all they had and they liked it that way. At least Kathy and Tim did. That was how they set their family up on purpose. Tim and the four boys were all in a bluegrass folk band called the Stockdale Family Band. And Kathy was, of course, the manager of this band. The family band performed at the Amish County Theater as the house band, and they also played at community concerts, fairs, festivals, and local churches. There was a website that our researcher Haley actually said she found on the Internet Archives that said the band began in 2004 and started after Tim and his sons, quote, grew up spending kitchen and farm chore time together, singing their favorite songs and honing their harmonies, end quote. They were proud of sharing bluegrass north of the Mason-Dixon line and performed a combination of bluegrass, gospel, and Appalachian music. And comedy. Tim was the band's anchor, and he played rhythm guitar and sang the lead vocals. The oldest brother, Calvin, played multiple instruments but specialized in the banjo and also did lead vocals. Charles played the mandolin and kept the band on tempo. Jacob played the fiddle, but could also play the guitar and the mandolin. And the youngest boy, James, handled the bass, but also played guitar and the back banjo. The Stockdale Family Band put out three albums, and Jacob and James actually released their own album together, just the two of them. Eventually, the older boys moved out of the family house, and the family band kind of fell apart. Calvin actually got married and had children and left the state, and Charles went off to grad school to study chemistry. But... That was, of course, after the whole family was on Wife Swap. As part of the process of applying to be on the show, each family has to submit a family manual to describe who they are and why they would be good candidates to be on Wife Swap, which gives us a unique perspective into how the family viewed themselves. The family motto for the Stockdales was, quote, it might be a hard life, but it's a good life. And the manual went on to explain their lifestyle. It talked about how they lived a quote-unquote traditional lifestyle where Kathy stayed home with the kids, cooked, cleaned, homeschooled, and managed the family band. Kathy admitted to being fully involved in the children's lives and choosing to stay home so that she could shape the way they grew up and how they were influenced. Tim ran the farm and worked full-time delivering animal feed to farms across the state. The number one rule in the Stockdale house was that the children were to obey their parents, no ifs, ands, or buts. Disrespect of any kind was not tolerated, and neither was physical or verbal assaults on each other. They said the homestead life was hard but rewarding, and that the combination of farm work, books, and music, along with a nurturing family environment, was the best foundation to raise children. As for why this family wanted to be on national television, considering they didn't even really watch TV, Kathy said that she and Tim had no personal need or reason to participate in the show but that they did it for their kids. She said the boys were eager to try it out, and since they were such adventurous homeschool parents, they couldn't deny their boys the opportunity to be on national television. 
I do get hung up on this a little bit because debate team so far has been the most adventurous thing that they've allowed the kids to do. So doing wife swap seems like it's a very big leap for considering the experiences that they've all had together as a family. Going on national TV show is kind of a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Well, it doesn't – number one, my first question is how did they even find out about it if they're not really – right watching TV. Um, I doubt they were scouted because I don't think they're out and about that much. And I don't get knowing that you're bringing in an outside influence into your home. I'm using their words, really. What this person can do in your home, you'd think that would be way worse than what them watching, you know, Bonanza would do to them on a Friday night or something. Right. That is such an old reference, my bad. But it's true. It's like just that's like a nonsense whatever. But yeah, I, I don't get how being on TV is like totally fine. Makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. It's a weird it's a weird one. Yeah. I don't get how they how they sold that one to themselves even. Me either. Yeah, yeah. So Kathy's tips for parenting and raising a moral kid in a modern world were as follows. First of all, you've got to move to the country because city life overwhelms morality. Second, be a moral example to your kids. Don't let them be guided by peers, TV, video games, and explicit music. Number three, choose a lifestyle that allows you to spend nearly all of your time together as a family. This includes doing everything together, from working to eating to praying to playing, etc. The key is to be together as much as humanly possible. And number four, help your kids internalize moral expectations and consistently reinforce them. So at this point, you're probably wondering what kind of family Kathy Stockdale had to trade places with. It doesn't really seem like it would even take that much to kind of rock her world, as Melissa was saying. This is so different. Anyone is going to be so different from the life that she has built. Well, the family that was matched with them were the Tonkovic family, and they really could not have been more different than the Stockdales. As part of their family manual, the Tonkovics introduced themselves and described their family and their daily lives. This family consisted of parents Lori and John, their two children Paul, who was 21, and their daughter Megan, who was 17, and also living in their home was Paul's girlfriend Samantha and Megan's boyfriend Hector. The Tonkovic parents described themselves as being very laid back and they believe in allowing their kids to have as many life experiences as possible to shape them into well-rounded individuals. Lori believed that micromanaging your kids' schedules was a disservice and was just way too sheltering and she felt it did nothing to prepare them at all for the real world. Rules were pretty lax in this household. The only ones that Lori and John said they were really strict about were no drinking and driving, which, okay, I'm glad that's one that you are putting your foot down on because that's very important, and no letting their friends park in the driveway and block anybody else in, which that's just a basic respect thing. So I'm like, yeah, of course you would expect that. Like, I don't – if you're going to have friends over and you guys are going to be sleeping in late, please let me be able to get my car out in the morning while I'm going and doing adult things. But That is such a specific (laughs) thing that happened one Friday night and they were like, never again. We have to put our foot down. (laughs) If I can't do my Krispy Kreme run on a Saturday morning, I'm not going to be happy. Right. So Lori said that they didn't discipline the kids because they didn't listen to anything they say and grounding them didn't work now because they're too old. One's 21, one's 17. Of course, grounding them is not going to work. She also said that she was bad at sticking to any punishments that she might even come up with in the first place. It was hard for her to come up with punishments and even harder for her to follow through on them. John and Lori both took more of a friendship approach to parenting and they even considered their kids' friends to also be their friends. I feel like we all had a friend whose parents were like this in some degree. Somebody that has good snacks, the cool parent. Somebody, yeah, has and they're cool always just like, whatever. yeah, come over and hang out. We're so cool, and we like to hang out with our kids, and we provide, like you said, cool snacks. And like, we all had a friend that their parents were more like that, more of a friend. Right. Right. Yeah. It's 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 interesting that they think they're friends with their kid, their kids' friends. Kids, friends. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just generationally. That's a little different. But. Well, yeah. Yeah. They just said that they felt young at heart, hanging out and partying with all the youngsters, and they even allowed their kids to have parties at their house where there were as many as 150 people in attendance. Which that's just a hard pass, just because I like my home and I do not want that many people trampling through. And destroying my home. Like, I love my kids. You can have a small gathering maybe every now and then, but absolutely not a raging 
what do they call it when it's just an all nighter where it's a, a rager? Is that it? I don't know. Raver. <laughs> I don't, you think I was invited to one of those? I have no idea what I you're don't talking know. about. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been to a 150 person house party. That's like, I don't even understand the logistics of that. Yeah. <laughs> No wonder they're mad about parking. Was there a doorman with a counter? Like, how did they get that number? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they said that they would rather have all this going on at their house than to have the kids out partying elsewhere, which I've heard that that approach to parenting right. teenagers as well, saying it's more safe if we can control the actual environment than it is to just say, hey, don't do it. And then they go out and do it anyway. I totally right. see that line of thinking. So as for profound parenting tips and advice for child rearing, well... As you can imagine, Lori didn't really have any, but she did have some tips for raising an aspiring rapper, which her son Paul was. So for all of you moms out there raising the next Sir Mix-a-Lot, here's a few tips from Mama Tonkovic. They are, don't censor his music, he needs to express himself. Help your child with buying the equipment needed to perform and record music. Always allow him to play music in the home. And don't allow people to stereotype rappers and understand that they have a lot of talent. This is all good advice to me so far. I feel I like I'm not really upset about I'm it. I'm not upset about any of it. Um, as long as they try hard in school, whatever grades they get are fine. Mm, you kind of lose me there a little bit. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say whatever grades you get are fine. No, I made the mistake of telling my daughter one time, you know, just work as hard as you can. Grades aren't always a reflection. So then when she got a bad grade, she's like, you told you me. You said. That. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah. dang it. <laughs> I can but think you didn't that. Try. <laughs> yeah, I can think that myself. Like, hey, as long as he tries, I don't mind if right. the grades are not good. But I would never tell them that. Don't. <laughs> I will tell you. Right. Put that in my home manual. Don't ever tell your kids that. That's rule number one. Right. You keep that close to the chest. You don't. You don't reveal that <laughs> that information. Okay. Um, but as you can see, there were some pretty stark differences between these two wife swap families, and that's why I will again recommend that you head over to Hulu and watch for yourself when you are finished listening to this episode, because the next part of the story that we're going to get into is not something that you will find within that old episode of Wife Swap. The heart of our story is about what happened years after the show aired. So by June 2017, it's now been nine years since the Stockdale family had their 15 minutes of fame. And by this time, two of the Stockdale boys had moved out of the family home to pursue their lives. As we said before, Calvin, who was the oldest boy, had gotten married and had kids, and Charles was attending grad school in another city and was not living on the farm anymore. This left Kathy and Tim with their two youngest sons, Jacob and James, living in the home and working on the farm. Jacob was born on May 28, 1992, making him 25 years old at the time of the story. As we briefly mentioned before, he was actually the fiddle player for the family, and he won the State of Ohio Grand Fiddle Championship multiple times. He was very musically inclined, and he even played in another band called the Holmes County Bluegrass from 2005 to 2014. Jacob was 16 years old when the family appeared on Wife Swap, and it was clear then that he had a different outlook than most teenage boys his age. At one point in the episode, he's talking about girls and dating, and he said that he felt there were, quote, better ways to learn about girls than to, you know, go on dates with them. The youngest son, James, was born on March 4th, 1996, making him 21 years old at the time of the story. James was a sophomore at Kent State, working towards a major in business management with dreams of going into the business side of entertainment. He was described as being a really funny person who had a real love for people. He had just begun dabbling in dating and was starting to come into his own when a horrific and unexpected attack took his young life. And we still have more to get into after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. We're quickly approaching that time of year where when you leave your house, you're all bundled up, but by the afternoon, you've had to drop several layers just to get comfy. Thanks to my Ember Wave wristband, I can feel cooler or warmer at the press of a button, no matter what the weather around me tries to do. We all have those little tricks we've done before to try and feel more thermally comfortable, like flipping the pillow so you can feel the cool side against your cheek, or sticking your foot out from under the blankets when you're feeling a little too warm. In these situations, Ember Wave is there to give you relief when you need it the most. All you need to do is press a button on the Ember Wave to create a cool or warm sensation on your wrist. 
The geniuses behind Emberwave have created a sensation that's an inside job, meaning it's working with your brain and body to make you feel more comfortable in just a matter of minutes. This wave works using thermal sensations to deliver a brand new category of safe, non-invasive, and natural solutions designed to leverage the body's response to temperature. So if you're in the hot flash crowd, like me, or get very irritable when you get stressed and feel warm, also like me, Ember Wave has a literal button to help you live more comfortably. You can try Ember Wave risk-free for 30 days. Ember is offering our listeners $50 off. To get this limited time offer, go to embrwave.com moms and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. That's $50 off your order today. Go to embrwave.com moms. Just like Lenny Kravitz, I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I'm stuck on the ground for now, I can settle for a new kind of journey, all with a fun mobile game. Step into the enchanting world of June Parker with June's Journey, where a spectacular adventure awaits you. And the best part? No plane tickets needed. Bid farewell to the ordinary and immerse yourself in a realm where intrigue dances with elegance, all thanks to the drama-filled escapades of our charming heroine, June Parker. Whether you crave a captivating mystery or simply wish to escape the humdrum of daily life, June's journey is your portal to excitement. Join June on her quest to uncover hidden family secrets and navigate the tangled web surrounding her sister's demise. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and dive into a world where each corner holds a new clue and every twist leaves you on the edge of your seat. But hold on to your pearls because June's Journey is no ordinary mobile game. I'm knee deep in the fifth chapter and each section is really more delightful than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the catchy tunes, every aspect oozes sophistication and refinement. So don't hesitate any longer, step into June's world and let the thrilling adventure unfold. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. How's that saying go? Failing to plan is planning to fail. And as much as I'd like to pretend I could just wing it through life, I know that I can't. But no matter how much planning I do, if I can't get a good night's sleep to execute it, all the planning in the world couldn't save me. And I'm sure you've been there before too. But thanks to Magnesium Breakthrough, no matter what my day looks like, I know I can go into it being well-rested and feeling great. For me personally, taking Magnesium Breakthrough before I go to bed has helped me solve some of those sleep problems, including that winding down after a long day, as well as tossing and turning while I'm rehashing literally every second of the day. And while there are a lot of magnesium supplements out there, only one can give you all seven forms of magnesium that are designed to help calm your mind and help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up feeling refreshed, and that is Magnesium Breakthrough. For an exclusive offer for our listeners, go to buy bioptimizers.com slash moms. Do it now. Your body and brain will thank you. Again, that's bioptimizers.com slash moms and use promo code moms during checkout to save 10%. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were just getting into how the Stockdale family came to be at the center of a tragedy years after they appeared on the show Wife Swap. And we're going to now get into more details about that. On June 15th, 2017, at approximately 4.36 p.m., 911 operators received a call from the Stockdale home, but whoever had dialed in hung up before speaking to the operator. The police had never received a call from this house before, so units were dispatched and sent to check on things. It took 20 minutes before the police arrived at the farm. It was eerily quiet, and the front door of the house was open. Officers could see the figure of a man in the doorway, but as they slowly approached, they heard a gunshot and then quickly found 25-year-old Jacob Stockdale on the floor in the doorway after having just shot himself in the head with a 20-gauge shotgun. As officers moved around the home, it became apparent what happened. The bodies of 21-year-old James and 54-year-old Kathy Stockdale were also found in the home, and it was immediately determined that Jacob had murdered his mom and brother and then turned the gun on himself. But shockingly, Jacob had survived the self-inflicted shot and was airlifted to the hospital for life-saving treatment. Tim was not home at the time of the murders and later told police that there were no issues leading up to the shooting, which only led to speculation as to what could have happened here within this family that seemed to be extremely well put together. Because it was so clear what had taken place, there really was no full investigation into the murders. On June 19th, days after the incident, the Stockdale family released a statement, which was read publicly by Calvin. 
He stated that Jacob was in critical condition and required numerous surgeries and procedures, but that his prognosis for recovery was good. Calvin said he had no idea why Jacob killed his mom and brother and then tried to kill himself, but he said that the family loves and forgives him, and he asked for prayers for Jacob's healing. Tim said of his wife that she was devoted to natural health and organic farming and had a strong love of learning and her Christian faith. She wanted nothing more in life than to be a great mom and a grandmother. Her son Charles said she was the leader who was a skillful and very knowledgeable woman about theology, and she instilled this strong work ethic and enthusiasm for learning that is what led him to obtain a doctorate degree. By August of 2017, Jacob was still in the hospital and suffering from brain injuries, but it was announced that he would most likely be brought up on murder charges. And in September of 2018, over a year later, he was officially indicted. It took a while before Jacob was able to walk or communicate due to the severe traumatic brain injury that he sustained. He lost sight in his left eye and had to have metal fragments put into his face to rebuild the structure. Once Jacob had recovered enough to communicate, he said he had no recollection of what happened on June 15th. He said he did not know what led him that day to commit this act. When Jacob learned that charges were brought on him, he decided to do the right thing and turn himself in on September 27th, 2018. He pleaded not guilty and underwent tests that determined he was competent to stand trial. His father, Tim, attended all of Jacob's court hearings. Even though the first examinations found that Jacob was competent, there were two more competency exams for him to take. One of these was for determining if he was sane at the time of the shooting and once again to see if he was competent to stand trial. He was found incompetent for trial during the second test, so he changed his plea to not guilty by reason of insanity. The psychiatrist who performed this exam believed that if Jacob was able to receive treatment for his depression, he could be found competent within a year. So Jacob was actually sent to a facility to participate in what's called quote-unquote, restoration activities to help him be found competent in the future. Now, I did not realize, or maybe I've just forgotten that this is a thing, that you can yeah. be sent away for, I mean, I guess I guess it makes sense. I don't think I've ever heard it worded like this. Maybe that's what it I is. Feel I feel like never in his case, yeah, I feel like in this case it makes sense because he would have been found competent before the incident, but the only reason I guess they were saying maybe that he wasn't was due to the injury that he suffered from the gunshot. Right. And so like once he had some more time to recover and some more, you know, to work through different therapies, then he would potentially be able to be found competent later. So I guess in this case, it kind of makes sense because that yeah. kind of healing is a process, you know, for a person's yeah. brain, especially. So I can see where they thought like maybe with a little more time and working with him a little more, right. he might be able to stand trial later on. Yeah, no, you're right. That makes a lot of sense because also just from the prosecution side, if they try him and he's, you know, or if he's found guilty and then he's able to come back later and say, you know, he was not ready to stand trial. He right. was not competent at the time and all that, that can make a whole mess. So that makes sense. It just, I've never heard it laid out that way. So it's just... Just interesting. A little note. Ah. So while Jacob's at this facility, he actually makes two attempts to escape. The first time was in November of 2019 when he tried to hide between book stacks in the library. And the second time was a month later when he tried to blend in with a group of people who were leaving and simply walk out the door with them, which is kind of genius. Uh, your best shot is getting out is probably to blend in with the crowd and yeah. not make a big deal out of running out. When I read that, it made me laugh because I was like, it's not what you think of when you think of like an escape attempt, you know? Like no. It's, it's not dramatic at all. Like we hear some of these other attempts to escape different facilities and it's, it involves like so much just craziness. The Hopping way out a window. Yeah, exactly. But he was like, I'm just going to try and walk right out the door, you know, and see if anyone notices. And honestly, I think that's the best bet that you have. It's kind of genius, oh, for really. for sure. Yeah. So on February 19th, 2020, Jacob was found competent once again, but he continued to stay in the mental health facility while he awaited trial. His trial was supposed to take place in 2020, but was delayed due to the COVID pandemic. In February of 2021, Jacob was ordered to be returned back to jail instead of staying at the facility due to his attempts to escape, which makes sense. He was also told that he was no longer allowed to use the insanity defense. 
Jacob's defense team wanted him to stay at this facility and pointed out that these escape attempts in question happened months after he first got there at a time where Jacob was quote unquote disheveled and nonverbal. But by February of 2021, he was showered and clean shaven, as they said, and he was participating in group therapy, taking his medication and participating in mock trials. They argued that Jacob was not the same person who had tried to escape months prior. That's actually a very good argument. That's oh, a totally... Oh, 100%. And I would definitely have been on their side arguing that and being like, well, obviously the therapies and the reasons that he was there are the things he's doing there are working because he has, you know, whenever, look at how he was when he got there and compared to now and saying like, he hasn't been a problem for you like this whole time right. really. So I totally thought... You know, I would have tried to keep him in there as well. Yeah, it makes sense to me. In the end, though, the judge ruled with what the facility wanted, which was for Jacob to leave and go back to jail. His trial was set for May of 2021. However, at the end of April 2021, Jacob had a change of heart and he requested to change his plea again. On April 28th, he pleaded guilty to both of the murders, putting an end to the legal runaround and allowing the judge to sentence him accordingly. His family wrote to the judge asking for mercy and for the lightest sentence allowable, but the judge said that he was going to do what was best for the safety of the public. Jacob was given 30 years in prison. That was 15 years for each murder to be served consecutively. Tim Stockdale, the father of the family, wrote a statement that said, quote, Our family grieves the loss of Catherine Barbara Stockdale and James William Stockdale. Kathy was a loving mother, grandmother, daughter, sister, aunt, mentor, and friend to many. James was a loving son, brother, nephew, uncle, cousin, and friend to many. Kathy put all her effort into homeschooling all four sons through their graduation from high school. Losing her encouraging words and comforting hugs has been devastating. James was a college student and dedicated musician, bringing smiles to all. While Jacob has no recollection of the events that day, he trusts the legal system to do the right thing. It's beyond our understanding why this act was committed, end quote. Even though the other members of the family are deeply saddened by the loss of Kathy and James, they all say they love Jacob and forgive him for the role that he played in their deaths. They feel that Kathy and James would have wanted forgiveness for Jacob as well. Jacob has not made a statement himself. His lawyer said that his family is supportive and that Jacob takes responsibility for the murders. Jacob is currently incarcerated at the Chilcoth Correctional Facility in Ohio, and he is not eligible for parole until 2048, at which time he will be 56 years old. The rest of the Stockdale family has apparently eased their restrictions when it comes to modern technology. Tim shares his views on Facebook. Um, he talks about religion and bluegrass music, and it looks like the family is just trying to live a normal life now. When Lori Tonkovic, the matriarch that swapped places with Kathy for wife swap in 2008, heard about what happened, she told TMZ that she believed it was Kathy and Tim's parenting style that brought this on. She said Jacob probably snapped after having enough of this strict environment that he was brought up in, and she reminisced about her time spent with the Stockdale family and recalled that during the wife swap experiment, she tried to give Jacob and his brothers more freedom, and she said Jacob really just could not handle it. He was so concerned that his parents would be mad, and it made him terribly upset. Even during the filming of the Wife Swap episode, Lori herself was visibly shaken numerous times as she was discovering more and more of what life was really like for the Stockdale kids. She cried several times in the episode and really expressed how sad she was that the boys were living like this and being raised this way. Um, and at sometimes during the Wife Swap episode, it kind of comes across a little cheesy the way that they make it seem, but like... Once right. you know more of the story, I feel like she was very genuine and like her concern for these boys. Um, and now looking back and seeing how she was on the show and saying like, this is just really sad to her, you know, and I feel like that was very genuine on her part. I feel like she really was just like, whoa, like this is so different from what we right. do, you know, with our kids. Well, and I believe the wife swap, it's two weeks, right? The first week you follow the family's rules and right. the second week you incorporate yours. So we saw 42 minutes of what it was like. She was there for two full weeks to see what it was like day in and day out, how they reacted, even to having this freedom. That was kind of a lot of times on wife swap, they'll give the kids freedom and they're like, yes, finally we right. can do this. These kids were 
uh, some of them I should say, were scared. I, I shouldn't say scared. They were just like, did not know what to do about it. They were like, our parents wouldn't want us to do this. This is how I feel too. I don't want to do this. But then they would do something and would enjoy it, but almost feel guilty that they enjoyed it. Right. There's just a lot going on. We don't know exactly what happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't know what happened. It seems so strange to me that it was his brother and his mom with his dad not being there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you think in something like this, these family things, it's normally like everyone else, right? And so for his dad not to be there, I don't know. I, I can definitely buy buy into the defense that he doesn't know what happened. Oh, I yeah, I totally agree. I don't think he knows because there's no way he shot himself in the and had to recover from that and like right. there's just no way that you can tell me 100% that he should have full memory of everything that happened because right. i can definitely believe just based on just how traumatic that is to the human body i fully right, believe he right. does not remember um i did read something else that said that investigators thought that Kathy and James were not home, um, that Jacob was home alone and that Kathy and James came home. And there's a theory that he may have intended to actually also um, shoot the father. Oh, um, okay. But that, you know, we just don't know what happened. And right. he did. And then people have pointed out as well that it took 20 minutes for first responders to arrive after that 911 call. And he didn't um, turn the gun on himself until after they arrived. So it does. So there are theories about like what he was trying to do that day or, you know, what actually led right. to this. What was there something that happened that day in particular that kind of right. set him off? But, you know, we just don't know. And it really yeah. is sad to think, you know, that it ended up this way for this family, and especially because Kathy clearly put a lot of her time and energy invested into her family and just wanted what was best for her boys. So it really is very tragic to hear that it turned out this way. It is. If you get a chance to watch the uh, Wife Swap episode, definitely do. It's it's different watching it, having this information. For sure. You look at things – you look at everything a little bit differently. Definitely. Um, but definitely sure, worth yeah. watching. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay, Melissa, we're going to move on to a last thing before we go. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> You're trying to make that happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think I said boom shakalaka one day. Oh, that you one did. Didn't you stick. did. We're not doing that no. one again. Keep going. Um, okay. So, of course, it is almost Halloween time, and uh, we like to do themed things during last thing before we go. So this is our little palate cleanser if you are new to listening to the show and you're like, well, what is this that they're doing? Um, we're going to do just like a fun little silly thing. So this week, I am going to tell Melissa about and probably all of you about maybe some Halloween superstitions that you maybe okay. didn't know existed. They're not all scary. Some of them are a little silly and funny and maybe fun. Some of them are just, I don't know. I don't know how people come up with some of these things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we've obviously all heard of the classic ones. Like if you see a black cat, you know, it's supposed to either be bad luck or it, originally that one was that if you see a black cat, then there's a witch nearby, right? You've heard of that one. Oh, gosh. I didn't know the witch part. I just knew bad <laughs> luck. Okay. Well, did you know, Melissa, that in the British Isles, it is believed to be evil to eat blackberries after Halloween? What? Yes, because apparently on Halloween night, there is an Irish spirit that comes out and defiles the blackberries. So you are not supposed to eat what? blackberries after October 31st in the British um, Isles. Okay, well, don't wear your white pants after Labor Day and don't eat blackberries after Halloween. That yeah. actually works well together. You won't stain your pants. It's I perfect. I want to go and find out, like, what is the um, peak, like, growing and harvesting season of blackberries in the British yeah. Isles? Because it sounds kind of like something, like... They're going out of season maybe at this time. It sounds kind of like just like a thing like in right. general. Like you don't yeah. want to eat blackberries after this but time defile of year. defile is such yeah. a – It's like why do we have to attach <laughs> like some word. evil thing to it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So there is also a superstition that on Halloween night, right before the sun sets, if you walk backwards around your house counterclockwise three times, that will ward off any evil spirits that might try to enter into your home. That's an interesting one. I would like to just check out my yeah. neighborhood this week and see like who's on doing Halloween. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because wouldn't it freak you out if you actually saw someone doing that? You'd be like, "What is this person doing?" Actually, thank you for giving us that information because yeah. <laughs> this really could explain some things in a few days. 
<laughs> yeah. So on the topic of walking backwards, while you're doing that, make sure that you're careful because there's another superstition that says if you walk backward while wearing your clothes inside out, that's the best way for you to find and meet a witch. Oh, I, I can tell you right now that's not true because my son does that 90% of the time. So, <laughs> so we're all safe on Unless that Unless I'm the witch. Yeah, 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 yeah we're, we're all good. safe. We're all safe. Okay. So let's see. If you are born on Halloween, it's said that you will have good luck throughout your entire life. They said that people born on Halloween are the luckiest people. Huh. I've never heard that and absolutely could argue that statement, but I'll let that one go. Good for you, Halloween yeah. people. Best of luck to you. So here's a silly one. According to this superstition, if you are passing by a cemetery driving or walking, you're supposed to hold your breath until you're all the way past it so you don't wake the spirits up when you're breathing. We've always done that. That was like a thing I did as a kid. You always hold your breath when you go past the So you don't the wake them up? <laughs> I had no reason behind I thought it was like to not breathe the odors. I don't know oh, what no. I thought. But I just went along with it. Like I feel like that's more cemetery. of a legitimate thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the yeah, I don't I don't know why we did it, but yeah, like as soon as you said that I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, my whole childhood." So you would get nervous. There was this one uh graveyard in Tallahassee that I was like, "Please don't go this way. It just hurt my lungs. I can't hold my breath that long." Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So for no, all of you No, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. No, I know. So for all of you out there who are looking for somebody to settle down with and you're just like who is this person when are they going to come into my life what do they look like well here's your chance on halloween night all you have to do if you want to see the face of your future your person you can put a sprig of rosemary and a silver coin under your pillow or alternately <sighs> if you don't have those two items i found another thing that said you can put an apple under your pillow on halloween night and you will dream of your future the love of your life so it's not even to find them. It's, it's not to hopes. find them. It's just to have a dream of what they look like. So <laughs> you're still on your gonna, own finding them. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have rosemary. I would never have rosemary in my house just because I don't cook as much as you. And uh, I'm going to have an apple under my neck, get a crank in my <laughs> neck, and have a dream about a chiropractor. Oh, maybe that would be it. Maybe you'll have a dream about a hot chiropractor. Right? Well, I'll take it. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Try it out. Give me an apple. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the last one. In the Western Isles, it is considered bad luck to leave your house at all on Halloween. They said if you want to avoid bad luck, stay inside on Halloween. And honestly, that's just good general advice, I feel right? like, in life. If you want to avoid bad luck, just stay home. Yeah, but that's a lot of things that you're supposed to be doing outside your house, and now they're telling us to go inside. I Which know. Is well, it? it sounds like they just don't celebrate the way we do because clearly trick-or-treating is out of the question. I think they do. I, I've heard that I don't I can't say what countries, but I know that people that have visited or have moved here have been like very surprised at how much like Halloween stuff is here. It's which a thing. I am as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a fun. I don't know. I like the trick or treating with the kids. It'll be fun. Yeah, maybe those were good. I enjoyed those. Yeah, and then I had a really long and obnoxious one. Do you know Melissa the reason for carving jack o' lanterns? Ooh, I feel like we could have talked about this for a few years ago, but I would have no recollection. So no, I'm going to say no. Okay, so quickly, the actual concept of the jack-o'-lantern was inspired by the Irish, who carved designs and sometimes faces into pumpkins and placed candles inside to light their homes at night. So, of course, there are several superstitions when it comes to placing a lit candle inside of a jack-o'-lantern on your porch or by your front door. Some believe that doing so honors your ancestors and lights their way home. I like that theory. That's the one I'm going with. Others oh, I believe, don't like where this is going. Yes. Others believe that it will ward off mischievous and evil spirits, including vampires. Another superstition states that carved pumpkins can trap the devil and prevent him from entering your home. I don't think any of those reasons are the reason. I'm going with it honors my ancestors and lights their way home. I mean, how little is this devil they're talking about if you can trap right? him in a pumpkin? He's also kind of dumb. So right. <laughs> I like that one, actually. Yeah. Let's well, yeah. True. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for this week. We're getting closer to Halloween. And hopefully you guys all have plans for a nice and safe and fun. And I can't wait to see everybody's pictures and their kids. I know. In their that's my favorite. In their, I say uniforms. In their uniforms. 
Yeah. <laughs> and their costumes. I always love Halloween Day scrolling through all the social media and seeing everybody posting all their kids and all the fun stuff they're doing. So looking yeah. so forward to all of that. Um, before we go, if you liked this with a little reality on the other show I do with Rebecca, uh, Criminality, we actually have a wife swap episode coming up but it's not murder no way yes Whoa. and so yeah it's coming the stars up in a couple lines for all they of our have it work needs <laughs> i know so if you uh like the reality stuff that's going to be over there it's criminality and it should be in the show notes as well so that will be fun awesome yes i can't wait to listen to that one especially now that i'm on this wife swap kick <laughs> yeah i got you i reeled yeah. you in <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right guys we will see you next week same time same place new story have a great week Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.